Welcome to Bad Dad's Film Review. Like so many cinema fans before us, we found that indulging our favourite pastime was incompatible with having children. And so, having pressed pause on movie going for a while, we decided to catch up on what we missed. But because we're a bunch of attention-seeking 40-something man-babies, we decided to start a podcast and talk about those movies too. And well, here we are. If you like tepid conversations, obscure top five topics, searing and at times vicious takedowns of children's acting, detailed cheese notes, and meandering long-winded and uninteresting intros, well, you're in the right place. And even if you don't like those things, and even if you heard that welcome and thought, oh god, not these guys again, what we do have going for us at this point is sheer bloody-minded consistency and longevity, which must be worth something surely. A little bit of housekeeping, some bad dad's ministration, if you like. We've had more threatening emails about the website, if you're interested in knowing about that, and our little stunt a few weeks ago even generated a few reviews, a cracking one from Orcadian1903 on Apple Podcast. So thanks for that, because it really does help make a difference. Things are a bit different for the podcast that somewhere in the top 36 of Canada's TV and movie film review charts this week with Dan, a man who occasionally looks like he won't be able to make it to the other side of the room, having somehow found himself in Nepal, where at least some of us are hoping all's going well for him. We're not in the man cave either, and as a result, audio quality, which, let's face it, really was one of the strengths of the show, well, that may be compromised. Hopefully, we'll avoid the auditory equivalent of sounding like we're recording a Zoom meeting in three separate public toilets. So this week, I'm recording from my kitchen in St. Mary. Doesn't that sound quaint? Peter has joined us. You're up there in the ghetto in Mofon. I am, yeah. I'm in the... Yeah. 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 And to round things off... We have Sidey broadcasting to us from Sidewell Towers, and he has COVID. He's I a real-life COVID, but he's gallantly yeah. pumped himself full of ivermectin and horse semen in order to join us tonight, only the former being out of character for recording night, of course. So, Sidey, thank you for joining us. Tell us how you're doing with the COVID and all that. I was a bit rough during the week, to be honest, but soldier, soldier John, and I wasn't going to miss out. I've got a very detailed list. Well, I say detailed, it's just a long list of films that I've watched this week. Do you want to know what they were? Yeah, because I know that a few of them, you've been talking me through a few of them. You've seen some good stuff. Yeah. Well, hmm, I've seen some not so good stuff too. I watched Doctor Sleep, yeah. which I'd been meaning to get for you for a while. That is just Pizzagate, the movie. I, I thought it was all right. I enjoyed it. It was okay. I watched Too Fast, Too Furious, which I haven't seen since mm. way back when. Stinker. Absolute stinker. <laughs> yeah, it's like I said to you, it's really about like part four where that franchise yeah. really gets interesting. Yeah, a Scream 5, the latest one. Not great. The Homework Staff. And I watched The Courier. Have you seen that? The Benedict Cumberbatch one. That was really good. It's about spying in Russia and stuff. So Topical. A bit spooky. Petit Maman. Little Mum. Yeah, that was good. It's only an hour of 12, that one. That was, that was really good. Belfast. Excellent. One of my friends, Run Lola Run, is his favourite movie. And I'd never seen it, so I, I watched that and I didn't like it at all. The worst one of the week... The Misfits, have you seen that on Amazon Prime? It's Piers Brosnan as a kind of pickpockety thief recruited into this gang of oh, stereotypes. I... And it is, I didn't even finish it. I, I had like half an hour to go and I thought... It's this got is Chris the... Evans in it? The... No, no, no. No, it's got no one good in it apart from Piers Brosnan, but he's bad in it. It's Oh, it's a real stinker. What a turkey. And I finished Get Back, the Beatles stuff. That was good. Armour of God 2, Operation Condor. Oh, wow. Jackie. Jackie. Wait, what yeah. year is that, though? Is that a recent one? Because some no, of his recent old. shit has been terrible. No, it's, it's old. It's like mullet central. Last Night in Soho. Oh, you've seen some good stuff. 
That wasn't good, unfortunately. Mm. It was a real letdown. And I rewatched In the Loop last night, which was fucking tremendous. Mm. What was the best thing you watched? The best thing out of that lot, The Courier was really good. Belfast is probably the best out of all that. Surely you're going to say Lawrence of Arabia. I'm not including the homework in it, because yeah. I also watched the homework, but um, unlike some. No, Belfast is probably the, the best out of the lot of that. It was really good. Cool. You guys see anything? Riggs better not have. <laughs> I, I thought of, I, I have seen, I did watch something this week that was truly, truly terrible as well. I know Peter's looking flabbergasted and, and hurt as well. There's pain in his eyes because if you don't listen to the midweek, I did, Peter nominated Lawrence of Arabia and I failed to see it yet again. And I do feel bad about it, but yeah. You can listen to that episode if you want to hear more flummoxing about that. But I, there was, I did watch M. Night Shyamalan's Old, which is oh, really the beach one. fucking funny, man. That is a funny, funny movie. Not intentionally, but yeah, that's, that's good fun. And I wanted to talk about something I'd seen over lockdown that I'd completely forgotten about, which was Werewolves Within. Okay. Uh, which is on Netflix at the moment. It's like a sort of werewolfy comedy meta horror thing. But I, I'm going out there. It's based on a video game. I'm going to say it's the best video game adaptation of all time. That's my proclamation. Ooh. I was going to say the original. Claim, but I don't know if it, I is. Don't know if it is, but. <laughs> Yeah. So okay. there you go. Well, look out for that. Pete, yeah. what did you say? Unlike unlike Riggs, I watched stuff. I've I finished both UK and US Mad Dogs last last episode of the UK Mad Dogs. Bollocks. How's the US one? Really, sort of like insipidly crowd pleasing, but yeah. better than the UK one. The I have started following a recommendation from Side. I've started the Bridge. I've done two. Ah. Some, yeah, Mrs. and I have done. Are two you episodes. watching it dubbed though? Yeah. No, 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 no. We're watching it subtitled. There, there oh, is no nice. dub version. Yeah, I've told the missus to just get over it and, and read while she's watching it. And How you get on think, with it? I think it's it's fucking strong. And and I think that it's the, the reason why she's hanging in there with the subtitles is because it is it's fucking dark and gripping, but almost like comedic and quirky at the same time. It's So you're on season actor. one? Yeah, season one. So, okay. so the, the Danish actor plays the main guy he's the he's like the russian fellow from killing eve which is something that that my missus really got on board with so that's been a good kind of like link but yeah i only watched two episodes but really fucking okay intrigued like season one's great it is really really good but season two is just yeah incredible saga is is saga isn't it the main the lady the main detective yeah saga isn't that for old people travel for old people it, it is, yes. but it's it's probably pronounced like Suhu. She's amazing it's, in it. She's well, she's autistic, and she just yes, the way she deals with people, it's amazing like her sexual, her sexual conquests are just are fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, so in, a guy comes up, she goes to a bar by herself. A guy comes yeah. up to her and says, "Can I buy you a drink?" And she's like, "No." And and he goes, "Okay," and walks off. And then she comes up to her and goes, "Why did you walk away?" Uh, I just didn't want to drink, and he was like, "Oh, okay." And she's like, "Should we go back to mine and have sex?" Uh, that's that's her. That that would that would work for most guys. Yeah. And I watched with with my daughter. I watched a film that I didn't even know existed, The Little Mermaid Two: Return to the Sea. I don't know whether I've seen that, but there are a slew of sequels. How was that one? Ah, rubbish. I really like the first one. It's a good one. Mm. Catchy songs. It's racist. terrifying. Yeah, sort of racial stereotypes in, in coming out in lobsters and crabs and stuff. But mm. 
Yeah, it's uh, yeah, no, it's it's pretty pretty ordinary. It was Toy Story two that broke the mold of the sequels being direct to video things. Until then, well, I think the Airbud franchise has got something to argue with you there. But uh, sorry, I I always forget about that. Yeah, one one last thing that I've got queued up to what I'm going to have to like binge watch the bridge now. But one two I've got queued up is the latest. Well, say the latest. It was last year, Hell's Kitchen and MasterChef USA. I'm never, ever happier than when Gordon Ramsay is screaming in the face of fucking idiots and throwing mm. plates at them and just making reducing them to tears and rubble. It's some of the best TV. Uh, like it's 20 seasons in for Hell's Kitchen now. And they're it all just never gets because... any better than the YouTube videos that Sidey sends yeah. me of, where it's edited of the kids. Where it's, yeah. it's just hurling the most <laughs> unbelievable abuse, but it's on the children's <laughs> master chef. It's just fantastic. Yeah, we should should share a link to that. We had a top five last week, which was paintings. Mm. And we had Titanic one was nominated, but Piercy, he he went in really early before we'd even had our chat. And he mentioned, because it's it's a current movie, The Duke, on the local multiplex, which is about the, you remember the picture that I mentioned in Dr. No that was stolen? Yeah. Yeah. And so he nominated that, and I don't think that went in our top five. So that's what's go. this? I don't even know this movie. Piercy's picked out a movie I've never even heard of. What? It's a recent movie. It's on. Yeah, it's, it's on now. It's her, Helen Mirren and Jim Broadbent. Oh, right. Jim Broadbent plays the guy who stole the painting. Okay, because he was fucked off with. I think it was to do with like council tax or something like that. And he was like, "Oh, they're taking our money and doing this." So protest thing, just completely amateurishly. The film's apparently quite funny. It's about you know her having to deal with him having nicked this painting and the aftermath of it all and all that sort of stuff Um, oh there you go that's the listeners keeping us up to date with movie news then for sure this week's top five Pierre Mm. was hastily changed because you completely fucked it the first time round I'm still not sure is it definitely did you definitely do like birds birds like tweet tweet it did yeah Ah. I wasn't around when you did that. No. It was so really it early on. I updated the website as well this week, so they're all on there, the top fives. <clears throat> oh, well, anyway, I changed it to sand. Yeah. Yeah. How did we get on with that? All top okay? five sand. Top five I, sand, yeah. <laughs> yeah, per granule. Yeah, I've got a few. I've got a few nominations. Do you want to kick it off, Pete? You can break it into, like, subsections of it. This is obviously, you know, just the, the featuring of sand in, in a film as like a prop or whatever you've got mm. obviously deserts you've got mm. beaches yes um yeah. so yeah and yeah, then you've this. got some things that kind of live in the sand maybe that's where i went a little bit with that as well you know oh, okay like, so it's there's sand things like sort of like, like there's like sand flies you mean that well no other things no. that i'm sure we'll get onto. there's there's it was it was a good topic this yeah, lots quite, of stuff. quite quite a, a range. I'm going to. Do you know what? I'm going to I'm going to start off with Lawrence of Arabia. It's it's you know only because Reeks hasn't seen it and it's an absolute must watch, absolute epic. As soon as you think of sand in a film, especially if you're thinking of desert and desert scenes, and and you mentioned it side in the in the midweek mention. There's a couple of like stills or like scenes like yeah. oh, you know. You know, like a, a sunset or a sunrise or, or just, you know, if, yeah. if you're thinking along the lines of, of epic, 
someone ever came up to you and said, I want to watch an epic film, this is where you're going to, sort of the direction you're going to point them. And obviously on location out in Egypt and, and you know, areas of, of, the, of Arabia and, yeah, lots and lots of sand there. So great, that's great what, sand content. Oh, it's huge bit. on the sand scale. Yeah. yeah, how would you know? Probably, probably the most sand there's ever been in a film. If you, <laughs> if you think about the the you know place that Gran- it's set granules in. granules per head, granules per frame. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. a lot. Yeah. Riggs, yeah. do you want to go? Uh, I can do. I, I the first one I thought of. I think when when your text came through saying it was going to be top five sand, I just thought of indie throwing sand in the eyes of that mechanic during the fight in Raiders, I think it is. Raiders of the Lost yeah. Ark. He's having a fight and he just yeah. throws sand. And it's just a is good that moment. the strongman guy? Yeah, yeah. The huge guy, yeah. the mechanic. Pat. His name is Pat something. He's in, quite, he's in quite a lot of films in the, in the sort of 80s um, and 90s as... Like antagonists, he yeah. didn't have many speaking parts, but he was because he was a big buff dude. He's in one. He's in Conan the Barbarian. Oh, I sorry, just liked Conan it because it had that thing. The sort of it's almost a a thing that you associate with Harrison Ford almost exclusively. That sort of badass quality to him that he'll do whatever it needs to be what needs mm. to be done and Indy had that quality and Han Solo had that quality so yeah that's sand in the eyes sand as a weapon and also it made yeah. me think uh, a little bit but this was different but it was Mr. Fuji with rice in the uh, in in wrestling <laughs> used to throw it in people's eyes but it was a move like you know you have to wait for top five rice yeah Raiders Raiders of the Lost Ark has a lot of sand content right yeah. at the very beginning he he just he you know, replaces the golden bust with a bag of sand. Bag of sand, yeah. And gets it wrong and a big ball chases him. There's the, the arc itself is full of sand. And what's it? They Belloc, have to go to, like, is it Valley gutted. of the Kings? Where they put the Yeah, the they, staff, go, yeah they go somewhere. The staff, the, yeah. That's right. They have to dig the in the sand to get it. But then, yeah, right at the end when they open the, the arc and Belloc puts his hand in and just picks, picks up some sand and, yeah. And then they all melt and shit. Yeah, but yeah, lots of lots of sand, and then same again in in Last Crusade, sand. Yeah, very sandy yeah. movies. The Indiana mm. Jones movies. Uh, I got a sand movie for you. Well, it's certainly a sandy scene. It's Close Encounters of the Third Kind. The scene that I'm talking about is where things have been returned, and this particular one is a shot of a, a native fellow. They're in the Gobi Desert, and he's walking across this epic sand dune with his camel, and the, the frame is just on him, and then there's a tremendous noise as three, I think they're Ford Broncos or whatever it is, big Jeep things, come careering over the top of the sand dune and over his head and down, followed by a helicopter, and then there's other guys just shouting and pointing and telling them where to go and it opens up and you see this enormous ship just in the middle of the Gobi Desert which has obviously just appeared out of nowhere and it's the SS Cotopaxi which had been lost at sea in the Bermuda Triangle but now now returned to the middle of the Gobi Desert and it's obviously been taken by someone and all the people all the people on the ship haven't aged today they're all as they were when they left so, mm. it's, and it's this was cool. based on a true story. Yes, it's factual. Yeah, yeah. good. One. We don't mention Close Encounters very often, and it's such a fucking great. It film. is a good film. Yeah, it's a really good film. You seen that one, Pete? No. Yes. Oh, what a yes. balance! Yes, do, I have. Do, Sorry. Do, 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 yeah, do. I have. 
I have seen it a long, 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 long time ago and forgotten almost all of it. But yeah, I've seen it. There's uh, a version of it which has an R2-D2 on the spaceship, on the mothership. Yeah, it's really about how Richard Dreyfus abandons his family in like he's driven mad by this. It's, it's, it might, it's a good one to revisit, you know, there's a lot going on in that movie. Well, why uh, don't you nominate it, Riggs, and I just want And then you might not watch it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, talking of, yeah, films that we don't mention, so I've got a few films here that I that I like. I like all three of them, and I won't do them all just now. I'd, I'd be interested to see how you guys feel about them. One of them is the film Three Kings. I've not seen it. Have you Wait, I know the one you mean, Clooney. Clooney, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, that's is all right. Clooney, that. Ice Cube, Spike Wahlberg. I really liked it. Yeah, it yeah. is Spike Jones. It's the um, one where he's making a phone call while they're under fire, isn't it? It's, I think it's Wahlberg, yeah. and he's phoned, phoning America. It's basically it sets just after the the Gulf War and the Gulf War, like the as, as all the conflict in earnest has has finished. But these these guys, these U.S. Um, Marines or whatever they are, have are still out in the Gulf and have heard tell of some Kuwaiti gold that's been stolen mm. by the Iraqis. And they think that, you know, there's no better time than now to go and try and find this gold. But along the way, they kind of become embroiled in in a bit of the, you know, the aftermath of the war and they're trying to help some of the the people. There's, there's still, even though the, you know, the, the the war effectively has ended there's, there's still some some conflicts going on it's yeah it's it's feel good in places it's funny in places it's brutal in places and it's a film that i really enjoyed and there's lots of sand in it which is very helpful for for getting it into my into my top five noms so Riggs, you you're you're okay with this film oh yeah i remember that being quite a good one i haven't seen it in a long time but i do remember being surprised mm. by how good it was i i think it was back in that time where you still didn't necessarily you know mark Wahlberg was still a bit of a unknown quantity like he hadn't done anything like yeah. the departed where you could go well he's brilliant in that yeah so yeah he's he's on the upslope and yeah and Clooney's always easy on the eye yeah yeah so, yeah maybe what if your vid rumbles on side you can you can get involved with yeah that's a good one the john wick movies i love all of them they're a perfect trilogy of violent modern action classics much more than just spectacle though the spectacle is spectacle enough i think it's that they're you know if you're not familiar with them the the three movies there's it's a a familiar really and simple enough story legendary assassin comes out of retirement to get revenge on the people who killed his dog but it's wrapped up in this sort of high concept world where a society of hitmen live out their own lives with their own rules of engagement and currencies and a council of high level crime lords called the the high table that, that rule the underworld and the world's most powerful criminal organizations they're directed by chad stileski I think is how you pronounce it. It's Keanu Reeves' stunt double for The Matrix. Anyway, in part three, John Wick, chapter three, Parabellum, uh, you may remember that at the end of part two, Wick was left excommunicado, which meant there was basically a target on his back for every assassin everywhere in the world. And he escapes New York and finds himself eventually in Casablanca, where he goes to the Moroccan Continental Hotel. It's They're the sort of franchise safe houses, the Continental Hotels, the sort of Hilton for hitmen. And he's told he'll have to wander the desert until he can no longer walk in order to meet the elder, the mysterious leader of the high table, high table who tells him they'll spare his life if he goes back and kills Ian McShane for offences against antiques or something. Love joy. Yeah. But you get these unbelievable shots of John Wick walking through the desert 
you know, in his black and white suit that he wears, it's his uniform, you know, he, he doesn't take it off. It, it, and we've only ever seen him in New York and, you know, in gritty scenes and nighttime scenes and stuff and fighting. And here he is walking through the desert until he can't walk anymore. Stunning shots, great movies, love him. You seen him? You seen him, you guys? Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, oh, really good. I don't like dogs, so I'm dogs, not bothered if the dog gets killed. Apart from the bit where he gets killed at the start. No, just, every like, time. No, no, no. There is dogs in in chapter three, actually, and there's brilliant. There is one there's who gets uh, is wearing ha- a Halle blue Berry's vest. Dogs, is it? Yeah. yeah. And no, Pete. Seriously, to give them a try, it's a great. It's they're great. Yeah, you would really like them, Pete. You would genuinely really like it. It's fucking good. Okay. It's it's like the Matrix is one good film and three turkeys, whereas this is three good films and no turkeys. Okay. It, it's rad. Right. Now I'm going to nominate Spaceballs. The scene, <laughs> oh, yeah. The scene I'm thinking of is where the president, played by Mel Brooks, is fooling around with some fluff in, in bed and he gets a, a Zoom call, basically, mm. from from someone and he has to hide her under the covers. And uh, they said, the, prin- the, the princess has gone missing. And he says, comb the desert. Yeah. <laughs> comb the desert. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, comb the desert. And it cuts to a fucking giant comb and two people dragging this comb through, <laughs> literally, through the desert. It's, we ain't know, found it's that, shit. <laughs> it's that kind of humour. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, a good, good film. I and that, of course, I mean, time. that segues really into, tat, you know, Star Wars, doesn't it? Because that's well, all, it, it was all. And it's, it's, it's on the, yeah, I've got Tatooine written, obviously, you know, yeah. Jawas. Tuscan Raiders, Jabba's part of the Sarlacc, the Pit yeah, of Carcoon. The Dune um, Sea. Yeah. yeah, it's all yeah. there, isn't it? Yeah, it's it? an absolute... It's, and it features all the way through the the, the Star Wars um, universe. Well, not the universe, but the uh, through the canon. Yeah. And I think epic. it was the best part of Boba Fett as well, all the Tuscan Raiders stuff in the... Yeah, that it really was. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. yeah. Before we go on, I've got... I've managed to find a couple of couple of world records these are not ones that we can beat because well one one of them is is just so that i've got a world, the world record for the the tallest dune oh yeah which uh, i thought was worth mentioning because of fucking yeah how massive it is anyone has a guess or, or well we i don't care. know are we talking hundreds of meters here are we well, we're not talking kilometers mind, are we, we we here in jersey have have dunes and if you've ever walked up the, like some of the bigger ones they're fucking tiring but yeah we're talking what 50 feet yeah over here like yeah. 60 feet or something like that maximum so the tallest dune in the world is the duna federico kirbus in the catamarca province in argentina and it is 1230 meters tall wow which is only 115 meters shorter than ben nevis so just try and get your fucking head around that. A sand dune that is just shorter than England's tallest mountain. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. We used to do football training up those things. Fucking amazing. I know, yeah. Not not the, the dune of Federico Curbis, though. That would oh, be, no. uh, yeah. Do you reckon, you can you like Nick. sand toboggan or whatever it's called down yes. and sledge down it? That would be fucking amazing. Almost definitely, yeah. The next thing, which is a world record that we can try and beat if we want to, again, surrounded by beaches here in Jersey, is the the world's tallest sandcastle. Yeah, um, this got to be easy, this one, yeah. Yeah. Is so, it bigger than the biggest sand dune or not? It's not, no. <laughs> it's 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 nowhere near. Biggest sandcastle. What just, is it, meters? You want it in? I've got both meters and feet here. All right, okay. I'm going to say... 18 meters. 
side. 25 metres. Ooh, you're both so close. It's 21 metres. <laughs> 70 feet, which is still fucking pretty massive for yeah. a sandcastle. Yeah. It was made by Wilfred Steiger in Blockus Copenhagen. Kurt's brother. Fi- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 5,000 tons of sand were used in July 2021. Yeah, they they st- they took the title from the Germans. And the last bit is just a funny story. It's nothing to do with world records. In Victoria, Australia, someone, and I imagine this can only have been a bloke or lots of blokes, managed to draw in the sand of a dry lake a penis so mm. large that it could be seen <laughs> from space, which hats off to these guys or this one guy. Um, and for years, you could see it. If you, went, if you went on the Google Street View on Google Maps and zoomed out, you could see it. And it was tagged as Aussie Wiener. Aussie um, Wiener. Yeah. So that was, that was very, yeah, like a nice little story there. I've, I've got so two more films that I want to say to you guys. How do you feel about them? Another one that I actually really like, and I feel that people, other, not enough people do, is The Cable Guy. Yeah, it's quite yeah. it's quite a lot darker than the rest of Jim Carrey's you've sort not of work. Seen at that Cable time. Guy, wow! So that's I've picked two that you've not seen, side. But yeah. um, the basketball scene so, alone is worth seeing it for. Yeah, there's some fucking. So this this scene in particular that I'm talking about that involves sand is the the like the bizarre. They they seem to only have these in in the US, but these the medieval themed restaurants, mm. and so well, they they one. go and there's like a medieval show. And obviously Jim Carrey's character who's fucking deranged is organized for him to be him and him and his pal Matthew Broderick to be like invited down to, to the arena and, and dress up as knights and have a fight. <laughs> and so yeah, that's exactly what happens. And at one point and this is where like Broderick starts realizing that the Carrey's character is, is fucking unhinged because he's actually like going for him in the fight properly. So he ends up throwing sand in his is in his oh, eyes, and that's the first that's time it's like I am blind. Which I think got taken off in thingy. Anchorman he got too, paid but. an absolute fortune for it, didn't he, Jim Carrey? That one, and I don't think it was a big box office hit for him and he'd been off the back of like an unstoppable streak that he'd been on yeah I, th- I just don't think audiences were ready to see Carrie do it playing it was still comedy and there was all this still loads of his visual acting he's got like a bit of a lisp it's a lot um, darker he, though isn't yeah it? yeah he's he's not he's not a likable character in that you know like mm. you know some of the others that he that he played he, he's yeah he's quite it is it is a bit darker I, st- I think it's a really good film and there's, there's still visual comedy and, and humor in it but it, it is it is a good film he's fucking deranged it's worth a watch side mm. some movies reach you at a particular time and place in your life and they they touch you and they're so perfect it can be kind of scary to go back and revisit them in case they're not as perfect this time round. Do you know what I mean about, do you know what I mean? When you have like an amazing experience, you think of yeah. a movie and, and, and one of those movies that I built up in my head over the years as a sort of holy cow of awesomeness because I loved it so much when I saw it and I don't think I've seen it since was Weekend at Bernie's. Anybody seen this? A yeah, completely no. one note joke movie where two best friends have to pretend their murdered boss is really alive for yeah. the weekend. Isn't there a sequel? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I've seen the sequel, actually. No, I don't know. I just found it piss funny. I mean, it's just like lots of like pretending that he's alive, having to move yeah. him. You can imagine exactly the sort of comedy, the stuff happening around. But because it's set at their boss's beach house, plenty of 
sand-based fun that happens with this corpse. There's a scene where one of the friends, uh, Richard, goes for a romantic walk on the beach with the love interest Gwen and they lie down on the sand and have a little kiss and the body of Bernie sort of gently washes up in the sea behind him. And then later a kid has completely buried him in the sand and screamed abuse at him and then they have to uh, drag him into the house and they vacuum the sand off him and uh, in the process discover he was wearing a toupee which becomes more you know part of the fun I, I another one that maybe i should watch it on a midweeker and think was this really still funny because it's been a long time and i was probably 14 when i watched this so yeah i haven't seen it since yeah teenage years and mm. it was it was funny but like you say it is a lot of you know trying to convince someone that this corpse is alive and it I, I suspect it's probably not that funny now but yeah. maybe it is I don't know I've got a slight change of tact going for a smaller quantity of sand this time it's Professor Slughorn's Hourglass from the Harry Potter franchise ah, mm. I forgot it's, about hourglasses it's uh, it's an hourglass but it's decorated with snakes because he was head of Slytherin and it's pointless magicalness is that the speed in which the sand moves through the hourglass is determined by how interesting the conversation is that he's having with someone. <laughs> <laughs> it seems completely trivial. Yeah. But well, that is basically just real life, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. But it's green sand in this. It's so uh, it's a slightly different sand than we used to in the rest of this top five. So I thought so that, that was sl- worth mentioning. Slithering-themed oh, like sand. Oh, like, yeah, I've forgotten about that. Yeah, because his dinner parties are... Or a thing. Oh, well, Hourglasses opens up a whole new world of... I was... Because the reason I thought of Hourglasses, I was sure I I could remember someone being trapped inside an Hourglass somewhere. Well, isn't there a Twilight Zone episode that's like that? Maybe that's it. I couldn't... couldn't Someone like falling through the bit in the middle and then down into the bottom. I've I've got that, yeah. Or egg timers, but... Okay, and uh, yeah, so the last one of... uh, Never, ever gets mentioned, this film... But it was fucking huge when, for a little spell, especially for the people that had done the all of the stereotypical backpacking type stuff in the scene. The beach yeah, yeah, with yeah. DiCaprio. It's, it's, what's his face, isn't it? The Irish fella, isn't it? Uh, Ewan McGregor. Is it Danny Boyle? No, uh, yeah. It's, it's Ewan McGregor, it's, Danny Boyle, yeah. Danny Boyle did no, the... No, no Alex Garland. Ewan Da- Danny Boyle directed it. This was the film that they had the that Ewan McGregor and Danny Boyle had the fallout of for because he cast DiCaprio and not Ewan McGregor, and they for years and right. years had this feud about it. But yeah, it's, you're right. It is Alex Garland as well. Yeah, is it Ewan yeah. McGregor in the book or something? Because it's a bit meta in the book as well, isn't it? So, oh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. no, I've read I've read the book, and and again, this was like one of those things, like sort of cliche. Oh, you have to read. It was yeah, I it think was a it bit was, like that. The I think the film and the book were were out around about the same sort of time as I did a stint of travelling, so it was almost like... I knew a lot of dickheads it. at the time who were doing that sort of finding themselves yeah, in East yeah, Asia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I was I was one of them. But, yeah, I, I, I think... I, I honestly haven't seen the film for probably 20 years or how... really mediocre, you know, from what I remember. Yeah, I don't know. I just... This, you know, DiCaprio's in full, like, heartthrob phase. I, this couldn't it's have been vicious too shark much attack. after... There is a vicious shark attack. Some some nice Swedish guy gets 
yeah well gets killed are you just yeah, nominating it, it specifically a a, the fact that it's a beach it's sandiness comes from its it, it is it is it is it is a beach it's called the beach and obviously mm. sand features prominently on on many beaches not in been, brighton you've been to and, that and beach? other places yes i have yeah it's in co pp don or lay there, whichever one i can't nice. remember which one it is yeah Maybe i've been the there Coke it doesn't look quite as yeah, certainly, or a packet of frazzles or something. I've definitely, <laughs> yeah, definitely littered there. Yeah, not not as much of a pain in the ass to get to as it, as it is in the film. No, just get a boat. Yeah. It's really easy. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you can you can do all that. Go and see it. Obviously, it's been fucking completely like run all over by tourists because of of how prominent it was. But yeah, the love for that film is is very little. I'm guessing. I liked it. I think it was right. It was for ages. Mediocre. It's, it's I can't remember. I went to the cinema to see it, and I remember thinking it was all right. Yeah, it had that dreadful All Saints song. That it mm. it did have that. That doesn't. Yeah. That yeah, that goes against it. Yeah, uh, Spider Man Two had the character Flint Marco, and he was the Sandman. That was three. Spider Man Three had the character Flint Marco, <laughs> and he was the Sandman, and uh, he falls into some sort of experiment. It was, I think, really negligent, to be honest, that a guy can just yeah. fall in there escaping from the cops after, I don't know, some stuff that he'd done. But it's one of the great moments, I think, in the Spider-Man franchise where after he's been subjected to the Sand. centrifuge thing yeah. and he's been reduced to nothing there's a picture i think of his daughter in a locket and that's he tries to form a hand to grab it out of the sand as he becomes the sandman and it's a great moment where it's falling through his hand and his he can't make a hand and all that stuff it's a good moment where using cgi actually was able to tell a story you know in a very small moment using the new technology and it told you everything you needed to know about the character and his motivations just in a quick scene as he's becoming the thing that he you know doesn't want to be his alter ego his villainous self yeah so, it was yeah. a bit of a mess that film I think I still. I think I think it's okay. I think it's okay. But the three villains, and then they were trying to do the Sinister Six, weren't they? Because they had um, Rhino and all that in it at the end. Not um, in. Sam- uh, no, that was um, not in. Uh, yeah. Rhino's at the end of Spider-Man Three. Yeah, it's Paul um, Giamatti. No, but that's in the Amazing Spider-Man, isn't it? Oh, maybe you're right. Yeah, it's yeah. Actually, that's no, that's too okay. We crossed. We crossed streams. We crossed yeah. streams. Yeah. Like, this is a Sam. Sam Raimi's, of course, doing Do- the new Doctor Strange movie. Yes. So back in the superhero fold. Multiverse of Madness. The trailer for that looks bonkers. It does. Uh, right. I've got a sandstorm for you. Yeah. Where Where have you got it? It's in the movie Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol, but geographically, we're, we're in the Middle East, Abu Dhabi, I think. Um, it's the whole chase scene in the sand and blah 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 but i do have some technical stuff of how they do it it was used pete i know you know this but for riggs's benefits Mm. a plume gpu accelerated simulation rendering application of course which they use to generate all the sand and then they have to do a lot of work inside the sandstorm working on the density of the sand to make it look realistic so there you go i feel like such a simpleton for not knowing and both you guys knew that already Yeah, yeah 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 Yeah, there was, I mean, it's well, a given, I to, really. I had to fill side in on a couple of bits of those details, but yeah, yeah, I was all over that. What film was that? Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol. I, th- I think I saw the first Mission Impossible film 
maybe the second. The second one got Bing Rames in it. I think a few of them have. They have no right. It's an alright franchise. I like Tom Cruise. They like disappeared up their own. The first one's Brian De Palma. The first one's like yeah, I like the no, first one, yeah. They're 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 quite different movies, you know. Between the series, there are good ones and bad ones. I think is fair to say. That um, was quite a short one. I've got a similar one, sort mm-hmm. of similar because it's a sandstorm. It's in the Mummy, mm-hmm. and it's with Imhotep is the Mummy, yeah, or yeah. is the guy who becomes the Mummy, Arnold and Vosloo. Of course, it is Arnie. Yeah. The most famous Arnie of all. He's he's able to control the sandstorm. So when Brendan Fraser is, isn't it? Yeah. Is yeah. coming through. He's in an aeroplane and he's able to look at it. And then as he is making the face, mm. the sandstorm replicates what he's doing. So he's kind of able to control it as he's looking at yeah. it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. That's a good sort of throwback film, the sort of, uh, you know, real matinee kind of fun yeah. adventure movie. They're pretty like ugly, though. Stephen Summers yeah. movies, they're pretty ugly. Mm-hmm. Fine. Mm. But, yeah, but, no, I know what you mean. Uh, not, a good matinee. not as ugly as your face. Yeah. But they're... Yeah, no, I, I, I enjoyed certainly the first one. I, I enjoyed the started. second one in spite of that child who's in it as well. Is it one of them's got the really bad CGI rock? Yeah, like Scorpion, Scorpion King. King. That's, that's, that's that the second yeah, one? And then, they, and then they started... Movie. Yeah, he did get his own movie, With an even yeah. worse CGI... Scorpion I've not seen Rock. that. The Tom Cruise mummy one is fucking oh, bullshit. Mm. Franchise kills right out of the gate. Mm. Yeah. It's, yeah, that it's one's no good, that. crap. Mm. Yeah. So what have I got? Only because we mentioned it in, it was mentioned in last week's top five. Another mention for Dr. No. This is another beach one, but this is the iconic sort of first, I think the first Bond girl, are we saying? But anyway, Ursula undress coming out of the water what's his name sean is just sort of like leaning he's like sitting in a tree ogling her basically yeah. she's coming out of the water singing it's a very iconic scene many many men like probably like 50 years later they then did the same back for the ladies when daniel craig came out of the the water in his budgie smugglers and he was looking pretty hot as well it's a mm. toss up between ursula and daniel actually they're pretty both pretty hot and and i've got i've got some others but they're mostly just great big brilliant films that i really really like that sand plays a part in in all of them yeah i've got um, a few like that where i'm like well, it, the sand there but really <coughs> sand's not the key sand's not the key but well, what i might as well do then I'll just rattle off. Before I do, or in fact, we'll come back to me, then I'll rattle off my last ones. But I was a bit disappointed when on the group we had, we started throwing out a few puns to do with names, like films yeah. featuring Adam Sandler. Yeah. And I was I was really hoping that, that we'd have a couple we'd more of those. That, he, yeah. Yeah. Like Sandra Bullock. San, Sandra Bullock. Yeah. No? Yeah. No, no one else? No. June Leah Roberts. Oh, that's good. <laughs> very good. Yeah, that is very good. Yeah. Craven's not here. Someone's got... Britney Spears. <laughs> <laughs> Stretching. Okay. And she's not uh, even in a film. No. <laughs> yeah, she is. She is. She's got her own movie. She? Is she? Yeah. 
Wow, yeah. I want to leave Gritney alone. I had a couple of others, but are we just gonna we're we gonna call it a day there? And... Well, no, fuck you. Surely there's uh, there's there's plenty of others to it. discuss. Surely, uh, well, Go at least it. there was a couple I wanted to mention. Well, who the Planet of the Apes movie? It's the the big twist reveal is the Statue of Liberty on a speech. That's kind of sandy. Yeah, they. They built their own replica of the Statue of Liberty on their own planet. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Prince of Persia. Anyone seen that? It's the one where Jake Gyllenhaal uses yeah, a British accent that, yeah. to convey that he's from Persia, which is a choice that they all <laughs> made and then agreed on and then tried it out and did the dailies and watched the dailies and said, oh, that looks like it works and kept going with it. And uh, I can't remember a lot about it. He's got a bit of parkour doing, he does some parkour and he's shirtless a lot and he's the running. Not, there's a dagger. There's a, a, a time-reversing dagger. dagger or something. Yeah, wow. yeah. And he's there's like various variations of collapsing sand and quicksand and buildings that collapse into sand and giant sandstorms. I think maybe monsters that take the form of sand. What I'm trying to say is that there is a lot of sand-based <laughs> stuff that happens yeah. in... And Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master has a scene on a beach where it's she starts out looking out to the ocean and you see a fin in the water and it's like Jaws, but then you realise it's Freddy's glove. And then it comes up through the water and then up through the beach and Freddy kind of explodes out of a sandcastle. And then he puts his sunglasses on, which is good sun safety. And yeah. then he puts his foot on her head and pushes her down into the the sand. That's a bit, That's a bit mean bit mean yeah he wasn't he wasn't a nice guy but a lot of the people he killed were like 28 year old teenagers and you know the occasion 28 year old teenagers yeah well that's what they're like in those movies aren't they where it's true, like 30 yeah, year olds true. who play this guy's 15 and he's got a full beard <laughs> i mean there was the sandworms i alluded to this earlier the sandworms from like dune or tremors that's good mm. sand content i yeah i mean, I, had, I had dune down because the whole the whole <clears throat> premise is that taking control of this planet Arrakis because mm. the sand has the spice in it, you know, that they're trying to get control of. So I thought that was key. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. Have you seen sandy. the new Dune movie? No. Yes. I really liked it, but it obviously it's, it, it you know, it's to, it was to be bold. continued. It was bold because when they released it, there was no green light for the second part. Mm. And if they, if they hadn't done the second part, it would just be a non-story. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. I haven't read the book or I've seen the original David Lynch version, so I don't know what I, happens. I have seen the original David I Lynch know, version. Yeah. And it's fucking crackers. Yeah. I watched it when I had COVID, actually. It's probably now's a good, as good a time as any to, to watch it. It's, it's on it's, um, Netflix at the moment. I know, I just don't really want to watch it. As it's is alive, it's, actually. It's so laughable in... It's laughably bad in some parts, but kind of fun, like, okay in, in others. I also had... Blade Runner 2049, there's that shot, that really mm. orange kind mm. of shot where I think it's Ryan Gosling's walking away and it's sort of sandy, stormy kind of really beautiful shot. Denny Villeneuve's really great director of that kind Ryan of stuff. Ryan Baby Goose. Yeah. And I had the Sarlacc Pit from Return of the Jedi and also I had, because I love it, is the good, the bad and the ugly. And Tuco takes... Clint's character, his unnamed, just blondie, occasionally referred to in the film, prisoner, and just basically drags him across the desert. And it's so arid and parched that it's it's almost dried up completely and the surface of the, the ground is all cracked and mm -hmm. completely barren. And then because he's called Blondie. He's not where he's not allowed him to wear a hat or anything like that. He's just completely sunburnt. His lips, his face, his skin is all 
now starting to look like the ground it's completely fucking ravaged by the sun so nice the way they've used the landscape to mimic that through the character as well mm. it's um fucking cool movie have you guys seen it no. good the bad and the ugly yes no mm, that might no, don't like westerns it's good though it's really good it's an epic it's a three hour one yeah Oh, Sergio Leone. It's funny. It's it's like a it's a funny movie. Yeah, yeah. With drama and shit as well. I might nominate that one day. Is that Sergio Leone? It's the third part of the Dollars trilogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Right, Um, I'm out. Okay, I'll just I'll just reel off my last few. They're more just brilliant films, or I think brilliant films with with sand in them rather than the Mad Max Fury Road. Absolute mm. fucking ten out of ten. All the Mad Max films have sand in them because of the the, the desolation and, and desolation so of the soul. Yeah, but Mad Max Fury Road is is worth mentioning. All the fucking well, time so there, there's an attempt to cancel Tom Hardy now. Yeah. all of a sudden. Well, he Why? was a prick to. He it sounds like he was Sarah. a twat on yeah on set of Fury Road. Acknowledged by himself as well. Doesn't well, make it all right. There was a brilliant film. That came yeah, from it's it, all right. So, yeah, so I'll forgive him. Um, that's a 10 out of 10. Point Break's a fucking brilliant film as well. I don't that's think the Bodhi's They call him the Bodhi's Yeah, I don't think Patrick Swayze's ever looked hotter. Jaws, you mentioned there before, obviously pretty iconic. Lots of sand and that because of the. Uh, Mostly water based stuff there in that movie. Yeah, there's, there's sand, there's beaches. There's a lot of beach. There's beaches in the world, but we can't just nominate every film that's on the world. Well, there's sand in Jaws, so I'm mentioning it. Another one that we have mentioned before, Itumama Tambien. The whole plot is to find a like a, a beach, like a famous beach that, that mm-hmm. they've uh, heard so much about, and they go on a, a journey and they do oh. find a beach, whether it's the beach or not. Well, there's know. one a bit like that in Moonrise Kingdom, the Wes Anderson yeah. pedo movie that we watched, where they yeah. dance in their pants to French music on a beach that they were looking for and yeah just to finish off uh it's a couple of tv ones we've already mentioned it before on this this pod but the mighty bush the fountain of the youth episode there's uh the sandstorm there's the desert of nightmares and everything and also the episode milky joe and the cocoa nuts oh. that that's fucking brilliant i think is some brilliant brilliant like comedy british comedy tv is the rise and fall of reggie perrin which whilst in the actual series itself there's not a lot of sand the the opening credits shows him basically stripping off naked and walking out into the sea. So it's just like the unraveling of this guy with his completely mundane, repetitive life working for the man. And and and, as, and it's just some fucking brilliant acting and comedy that, that comes of it. And, and right at the sort of um, the crescendo of the series, he does have a breakdown and walk out into the sea and come back, like fakes his own death and then comes back pretending to be, I think it's like a brother or, or somebody else and convinces everyone that he's not him. Leonard uh, Rossiter, is it? Leonard Rossiter, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen seen much of it? Any of you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're still, yeah. Yeah, fucking really good stuff. But that's it. I'm out. Right. What are you going for, Peter? Mainly just to remind Riggs what a fucking ass clown he is. Lawrence of Arabia. Okay. We've never had that before. Where the no, midweeker is in the top five. Yeah. Uh, it, it has to be for me. Riggs. John Wick, Chapter Three, Parabellum. Okay, I'm going to put in Professor Slughorn's Hourglass. Ooh. A bit of variety. I like it. And then we need a couple of noms from Jeff Kitchen and Associates. Sand content 
covered in our top five, but we're now moving on to the sandy beaches, sort of, in a way. It's a ham-fisted way of segueing into basically a football documentary. No, it's brilliant, uh, Sidey. That is... And we're in Brazil. Anyway, let's just put it that way. We're in Brazil. Yeah. Pete, you nominated this one. I did, yeah. I'd, I'd heard I'd heard the story about this guy, I'd say, you know, maybe three, four years ago, maybe five. Don't know when it was, but it was it was not that long ago. And as a an avid football fan, and I know you guys are as well, it was it was an interesting story and one that I think was probably you know, part of a bit of an, an urban legend or whatever. But then not that long ago, I'd found out that there'd been a subsequently been a book released and then a film about this guy. And the guy that we're talking about is somebody called Carlos Enrique Raposo, known as Carlos Kaiser. Hmm. And effectively, in a nutshell, this film is a documentary with a couple of like, dra- like slightly dramatized bits about a Brazilian footballer who was was actually no such thing. He wasn't a footballer at all. He was a con artist who managed to have a career spanning, I think, 23 years of professional, you know, as a professional footballer without ever playing, we believe, a single game of professional football, which in itself is is a is a bit of a feat but even within that that sort of fairly crazy story there's there's a load of other fairly mental scenarios that that kept cropping yeah. up as part of this guy's career it, it comes up at the start and says this is it says some of this is true and i was like oh well all right yeah okay. well that, that, yeah, and then so- as it as it sort of starts going in you see you see a lot of brazilian footballers that you recognize as talking heads talking about him and i was thinking how are they going to fucking string this out for an hour and a half of him just dodging like different clubs? It's just going to get on my fucking nerves, this. But a lot more stuff comes out in the story of just what was going on. I thought exactly the same because the first 15 minutes of the film, like you say, is just very sort of recognisable people, you know, likes of Zico and, and Carlos Alberto. And the, the these are some, I mean, better, it's probably yeah. worth saying, if there's anyone who, who's going to listen to this and is listening to this who, who isn't aware... Football is a fucking religion in Brazil. It is. I've been lucky enough to spend time there, and and especially in Rio. And it is footballers are absolutely worshipped. Everyone plays football. Everyone talks about football. Everywhere you go, there are there are football pitches on the beach. There are five aside courts. Whether it's like the more affluent parts of the city or the slums or whatever, it is absolutely football mental as a city, and I believe the whole country is. So it's, I think it's probably the dream of every young Brazilian to become a professional footballer. And well, it's certainly a way to escape the huge amounts of poverty that there are in the there country. There is, there's a lot of poverty. 65% of children uh, living in abject poverty. It's, and, and then and it's that, a country full of corruption yeah. as well. So yeah. the odds are stacked there against is, you. It does provide hope and escape and light relief, whether you're participating or watching or, or whatever it may be. But but yeah, I was with you, so the first 15 minutes, I just thought, how many different people are they just going to say, oh, you know, this guy. He, yeah, played, it, he yeah. was injured all the time. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it's, like, it's, right, quite, it. it's quite repetitive. And I was thinking like, God, I, I want to know the how and I want to know the yeah the more, yeah. The, the more detail. But it does kind of settle down into then a bit of a, a linear sort of narrative about what was this it crazy kind well of football that career. That first 15 minutes in particular 
is presented as this sort of comedic thing of him, like his tiny speedos and his extravagant mullet. And he's like flicking it along and the whole thing. And then ogling shots of women, which are sort of seedy and not very nice detail of the story actually. And uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's got the sort of tone of like a lads mag, like FHM or something at the beginning of it. But then, like you say, it settles down into a some, bit more. Yeah, of a, not not all of, not all of it, but some of it. Yeah, there's there's like oh, this guy, what a character, what a yeah. guy, and everything like that. But it does then sort of settle down into a bit of a into a bit of a story. What what I think is is never really that apparent apparent is is how good at football he actually was because I think the way he describes it, it was like is that he was good at football, but compared to the people, the professionals that he was like rubbing shoulders with, he wasn't good at all. So I think there, there must have been a point in time at which well, the Bebeto door would have been says, opened originally. I think his fitness was strong and that's how he would get into a yep. club, wasn't it? He, his fitness was really good. So he would do the fitness drills in preseason and they'd give him a contract. And then as soon as he actually had to kick a yeah. ball, he'd get an injury. Yeah. But Bebeto was, was said particularly because he played with him twice. I say played with him very loosely. He yeah, was dashing. Yeah. He, was he said he's completely of his, out yeah. of his depth. I mean, he was dashing. They were doing what's it called? The rondo. Is that what it's called? Where you're trying yeah, to yeah, yeah. pig yeah, in yeah. the middle, basically pig in yeah, the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he was always like, the piggy. Oh, we're gonna fuck. They said he'd end up killing him because he'd never get the ball. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he he had he actually had he he was at the he was at Botafogo and Flamengo as a youth. At the first time, he was nine years of age when he went to Botafogo. So he did have Maybe. an element <laughs> of pedigree that that got him in this is presu- this is before his like i guess like very calculated scamming was a thing so mm. he had a, a a very basic level of ability where football was concerned but was um, never going to make as a it player, as a professional footballer you'd say he was a you'd say he was probably a false nine yeah. A very, very, very false nine. Very false, De- as false nine, false nine as, yeah. as you can possibly get, yeah. So anyway, it seems to, it all seems to sort of like kick off in terms of, of the career when he when he moved, in inverted commas, to Ajaccio. Is that the um, Corsican club? Which is, yeah, on the island of Corsica. And, and what the what the, the film documentary does is it is it kind of gives you his story. First of all, it gives you the origin of his nickname, which he claims is because he was, you know, like Franz Beckenbauer, whose nickname was the Kaiser because he yeah. was a king and, and he was the best and everything like that. He latched onto it. But it actually turns out that his... His friend said that he was nicknamed Kaiser because it was bottles of or of it's cans of lager. Kai, Kaiser Lager, where the, the bottle or the, the can itself was quite kind of like stocky and physically resembled his mate. So that's where he got the nickname Kaiser. So anyway, he 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 then in inverted commas, as I say, goes off to Ajaccio in Corsica and has uh, a couple of seasons. And there's a really weird bit he, because he's supposed the, to at the when he's introduced to the Ajaccio, I can't pronounce it. How do you pronounce it? Yeah, yeah. When he's introduced yeah. to the fans, it's like an open training session and he doesn't want to show off his lack of skills. So he boots all the balls into the crowd and they just go nuts <laughs> yeah. like he's like a cult hero instantly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Because I think, you know, I remember, uh, and I'm sure you guys do, in the sort of late, uh, late 80s, early 90s, and I'm sure before that, if there was a Brazilian player rocking up at your football club, it didn't really matter if you'd heard of him or not. The fact that he was Brazilian mm. meant that you, you were, were going to win everything. Yeah, it's like saying in rugby or whatever. Oh yeah, this guy plays for the All Blacks or something like that. It's <laughs> going to be 
you know that they're going to have a serious pedigree just because of the country that they've that they've come from. So he's rocked up at Brazil. I think the the weird thing about this part of it is that they have some comments from Alexandra Coto or something like that, another Brazilian guy who who was playing for Ajaccio at the time, and he was kind of I guess ratifying Kaiser's story and like you say rather than have to do some keep ups in front of the crowd he just wellies balls in the crowd and kisses the badge a few times and mm. you know probably pounds the fence and stuff and gets them going and becomes a bit of a cheerleader and, and they, they see him as a bit of a cult hero what he then does is is goes on to use this sort of identification that he's got with a picture of himself the Ajaccio and you know his profession as, as footballer to then open doors back in Brazil to either get loan moves or 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 short-term contracts where his his i guess as you said reeks the the his plan each time is to is to get in there demonstrate that he's very sort of like you know physically athletic and fit and obviously he talks a very good game in the first place but then at the the first sight that he ever has to kick a ball whether it's in training or a friendly or anything like that he would feign injury or as he says he is his you know his grandmother had to die about 15 times yeah. to get out of playing football because and and, bear and, and we've got to contextualize like, it as well because I think what becomes clear is that people were aware actually that he was ripping them off, but nobody wanted to be sort of to say this guy I think- was a bullshit artist. They just passed the problem on and Google was it. You couldn't just Google a guy. No, and just go. No. Who is this guy? You know, it was a different world. I mean, he was able to get away with this for a long time because people were embarrassed to admit they'd been played or he yeah. did actually have some kind of, impact upon the team in some way which i'm sure we'll go into yeah i mean he he didn't yeah sorry he he was i don't think he was necessarily known to be a fraud everywhere he went but certainly at some places it was known but almost accepted because you know and and one of the key characters in this story as as we'll come on to says later on it's like you know we entertained it but I've, is there's there's another there's a better word for it but anyway yeah he uh, basically we we sort of entertained his you know his antics because he was fun to have around because he He's was a likable guy exactly exactly right he was a bit of a, a cheerleader i mean that, that happens in in amateur football where you know it's not necessarily the best player that will become like the the most liked in and around the place but this, this it happens was in, in a professional, professional environment football. yeah they, I've seen a thing recently that a lot of like Premier League reserve teams have got older English players in playing in with their youngsters, like genuine, I'm trying to think of, I had like a good name, but it's gone from my head, but genuine professionals who've played at Premier League and Championship level, playing at Premier League reserve team level now so that the youngsters have an idea of what it takes to uh, make it at that level. Yeah, another another one of his tricks just to kind of like perpetuate the the, the myth was he, he had a toy mobile phone that he would <laughs> like get to get to somehow vibrate in his bag and then he'd pretend to have a a conversation with someone from Barcelona or somewhere yeah. else and it, and he'd like play out this fantasy in front of the entire sort of dressing room and then walk out and then people would just reach in his bag and find out that this thing was a toy so i think probably the that where the, the the first kind of slight change in in the in the rhythm of this is is it is it bungu is the club mm. that he he plays for where yeah there's the oh no no sorry yeah yeah but before we go into that yeah he he has a not i wouldn't say a striking resemblance but but a bit a you know a bit all. a bit of a resemblance well he, he looks good in body he's got a bit of a mullet yeah he was but a, a renato gaucho 
Gaucho was a real dish. It Absolutely, far, yeah, yeah. Far he still is. Than, uh, yeah, yeah, still yeah, smooth, yeah, yeah. Still, still a good-looking guy, and he was the real deal. He was, although I don't believe he he played in Europe, and so probably less familiar to to us over here. He was a fucking talented footballer. Mm. Looked to me like not in terms of the way he played, but the way that George Best, the way he was quality on the pitch and fucking enjoying himself off the pitch. He was, absolutely, he, yeah. He was absolutely having it. Yeah, he was uh, He was a bit of a, a poster boy for you yeah. know Brazil or certainly Rio at that time. And because of a, a passing resemblance at best with with this guy, Kaiser effectively like dined out on, on his name to, to the point where he even goes in, got himself into a nightclub. And then it was only when the real Renato Gaucho showed up and had to get all his friends to to assure the bouncer that that he was the real one. And then there was a, a bit of a, not really a confrontation, but then it was an awkward situation where they were both there. And I think, yeah, that it played out that Kaiser was really embarrassed because he, 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 he'd been found out to be to be a fraud. But that also opened a lot of doors for him, his, his like, as I say, alleged resemblance to, to Renato Gaucho. But when he goes to Bangu, he, he's, he plays under a... A right, a bichero, Castor Castor de Andrade, who initially, like you see footage of him, he's having he's having a little bit of a dance. He looks like a bit of a, a harmless, like lovable old older, older geezer. Yeah. And it turns out that he's a he's a violent maniac. To the point at first, where... it's it's his lottery shops. At first, you're led to believe that he's just you know it's shady. Yeah. It's definitely like on the wrong side of the law, but it's sort of tolerated. But it's accepted. Yeah, Everybody yeah. They turn a blind it. eye to it. It's Everybody an illegal, it. illegal but not policed lottery scheme that everyone plays, and he's obviously made yeah. millions. But as we learn more about this guy, it's not just that he's like proper drugs baron. Yeah, and and I mean you know one of the stories you you hear is about a training when he there was an injured player like lying on the ground, and this this guy just goes up and shoots his gun at his feet. And the guy gets <laughs> up and sprints off. He's like, well, you're not that injured, are you? So you can play at the weekend. So and There's grainy I mean, it, video it, footage of him chasing a referee around the pitch and they zoom in and I remember see that. a gun sure, in yes. his back pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's Presumably bad. he's going to ask they, him to they, check VAR, I don't know. They but. stop the footage. <laughs> they stop the footage at the point that all the people catch up with him. So I imagine he took a bit of a fucking beating there. But yeah, this this is where but it he's all told, kind of... though, isn't he? He's told by... He has to play. Yeah. yeah. It's such a great story. He is story. told. And, and, and where, the, where the, the sort of... Yeah, where his... I guess his stock is rising because he is... He's, spends more time in this Casta de Andrade's office than he does yeah. out on the training ground or playing. And that's kind of accepted because he, uh, you know, he, he's, he's befriended him. He's, he's charismatic. He, he's, yeah, he, he, he's a likable guy that this owner slash gangster has taken a, a shine to, but he's adamant that he is going to play. So he, um, well, but one of the night, things, one of the reasons that he, he wants him. And again, you know, it comes up a few times, but he's got this, basically a almost endless supply of women that he's mm. able to bring to the club and Casta de Andrade I'm sure we'll get to this point as well but he also likes women and has been enhanced so that he can <laughs> that's it's not that's not Casta that's the other guy that's the Fluminese guy yeah yeah guy. don't I'm jump ahead to, to, to that right. but 
he wants he wants this Kaiser to play because unbeknownst to him, he's also he's also paying for one of the ball boys to go into the stand and get all his mates from like the slums and stuff to chant his name and so on. So he's already a cult hero at the club without ever having kicked a ball. He wants him to play. So one day he gets a phone call at like four in the morning when they find they find him in a nightclub at four and says, "Listen, you're on the bench today." So go and so he arrives back at the hotel just as the players are getting up. He's he's just rocking in. He doesn't actually himself. drink though. We should say that. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't drink. Yeah, they're very his very true. Yeah, I think because his mother yeah. was an alcoholic, so he does he doesn't drink, but he certainly parties. Yeah. And he's he's rocking in, you know, in the wee hours. He's put on the bench, but assured that he's he's not going to be played. It's just because the fans want to see him and everything like that. And then at some point in the game, Diandrade's asked him, just said to the manager, "Right, stick Kaiser on." So he gets him to gets him to go and warm up. And at this point, bearing in mind he knows that this guy is fucking dangerous and has a gun and presumably yeah. will have people killed or will kill well, he people was, himself. He was considered at the time the most dangerous man in Brazil, which would probably make him one of the most <laughs> dangerous men in the fairly, world. Yeah, that makes you pretty dangerous. So he's got the he has to think on his feet. He's got the the choice of of coming on and playing and being seen to be a fraud or not playing and probably getting shot. And either way, he's probably getting shot here. So he comes up with the uh, with the genius idea of, of confronting a fan and leaping the fence and getting involved in fisticuffs with some fans, getting sent off before he's even had a chance to go on the pitch. And then even more innovatively, when he's then confronted by the owner in the change room after the game spins it magnificently into oh this for these fans they were they were you know challenging your honor and your you know and, it's, and, it was and all like ways. i never knew my father but now you oh, know my father it's fucking br- yeah he, he plays it he plays it well he plays it so well that not only does he get let off he gets a, a contract extension and a pay rise, which yeah. is absolutely unbelievable. Then we move on to Fluminese, where I've, I haven't got the other guy's name, but there's a, a similar character. He's also a, a, a Bichero, a bit lesser. He's less prominent, but I think it's suggested that he gets him because this other, the D'Andrade guy, owes him some money. So he gets a lot of players from Bangu who then come in and, you know, former World Cup winners and stuff like that. And Fluminese going to, to win the title and so on. But he, yeah, he, he ends up becoming effectively the club pimp for yeah. both the, the owner and the players. He talks about where, so the, the owner rather magnificently has had a, some sort of like, penis operation where a penis pump has been yeah i want to see it because yeah it sounded incredible i'd never heard of this procedure he had like before, a, he, a like a button or a valve in his penis that he could make it and they, they have a lady there talking about it and she says he would just be sat there talking to you and you could see it would it would just be quite prominent you know and this thing yeah. and everyone everyone knew that he had this blow up dick basically you know and i, I really want to see it <laughs> Because they didn't have yeah. Viagra, it was so just, he it was a mechanical no. device in his penis yeah. that would make it erect. Yeah, it, yeah. it's bizarre. But it, it sounds like he was so, he was so happy with the with the outcome of the hey, operation that he yeah. would he would he would get it to let's say let's call it a semi sort of status and and have it protruding from his trousers most of the time he'd wear tight <laughs> trousers <laughs> like at press conferences and stuff. And like yeah, that, yeah that's the female journalist. 
It does remind me of our end of season twos at the ones. Yeah, yeah, with the, with the short shorts. Yeah, yeah, we can see a lot of cock and balls on display. But yeah, so because he he wants to, whilst he's obviously got the 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 ability to to perform, what what Kaiser's able to do to him is bring him bring him girls that I guess would otherwise be unattainable for him let's say and he's pretty happy with that so they're pretty happy with the with the arrangement all round but he yeah he the, the, there's parts where they go to they stay in the hotel the they will for for an away game they'll stay on the sixth floor of the hotel and and Kaiser will book out the the whole of the fifth floor and just fill it with girls and the the players will will go down and and uh, have a bit of fun either the you know the night before the game or night after or whatever and that's how he kind of like hangs there's, around there's there's some talking head stuff with some of the old pros are saying oh you know it was great fun Kaiser would take us out and then we'd like crawl through some little space to go through the kitchen and blah, blah, mm. and we began and they're like why don't we just we'd rather just pay the fucking yeah. cover you know on the door and just yeah. go in like, they're professional footballers yeah, yeah. <laughs> But you just yeah. want to live that sort of, you know, it's like the Goodfellas scene, isn't it? We're yeah. going through the kitchen and everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then, I mean, you know, so so it's kind of uh, like there's obviously a shady side, a seedy side, a, a, you know, a not so pleasant side. I mean, you know, my, my experience as a Brazil, it is a very macho, it was a very macho culture, you know. So I, I know I know exactly what you're what you're saying, Riggs, but, the, the, you know, there was a point in time, there's a lot of the women in Rio when I was there, especially on the beaches and so on, are not wearing a great deal and they are actively encouraging people to look it, yeah. at them. They are no asking when I say asking for it, no, I'm yeah. I'm saying it almost like they're offended if you're not looking kind of it's a more sexual that, culture, I guess. I it know. is a very, it's very impossible sexual culture. To 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 look past the very many troubling issues that there are with consent around any of this. Half the time the women wouldn't have known who they were sleeping with. Most of them thought they were sleeping with Renato Gauches, not Kaiser. And even True. if they did know, he was kind of essentially trafficking women to the places, to the hotels, whoring them out. And yes, there will have been some women who who enjoyed it, but we can't pretend everything in this environment with these people was all consensual and all happy times, even though you've got many Brazilian legends talking about it. And I think it's a really problematic and troubling aspect of the of the whole documentary is is the the attitude towards the the women victims that there would have been yeah yeah i mean it is it's it's definitely i mean the, the whole sort of film and documentary from this point it's it started off very kind of like you know silly and jovial like it's you know the, the scenes of standing around in budgie smugglers and and mm. mullets bouncing and all of that kind of stuff that's that's long since passed and it just kind of like gets Darker and darker, like you say. This well, it's it. as Kaiser loses control of the narrative a little bit because they get, I can't remember the guy's name, but it's somebody who allegedly played with him, uh, Ajaccio. So they bring him yeah, in. And, and straight- Kai, so Kaiser's been just stringing all these stories along and we've been enjoying all the stories, but now suddenly the truth is starting to come through. Um, yeah, so it's it's a guy who a pretty a sort of a former friend, a guy called Fabinho who who did play at Ajaccio, and it's it's almost like a, a bit of a yeah, it, it's it's a bit of a shock in the in the film where it's it's announced this Fabinho just blatantly announces it's like he he never went to Corsica, he's never even been there, yeah. he has nothing to do with that club. It was I was he there, was there for I gave a few him weeks, the shirt, wasn't he? yeah, yeah. 
I gave him the shirt, and then he even walks. He even shows you walks you around the 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 playing field in Brazil, like a sort of a little known playing field in Brazil where he would he would go from time to time with Kaiser, and that's where they did the photo shoot where he effectively faked that he'd gone to this team in Europe, and and at that point you're kind of thinking, right, well, you know, is this. Fabinho got an axe to grind with him and, and, and is it all completely made up and so on. Then it goes back to this Alexandra Koto guy who who had previously said in the film about Ajaccio and what happened and everything. And then they ask him the direct question, did, did he ever go to play for Ajaccio? And he, he just goes, no, never. He was mm. never there. And what you find out, indulging was the word that I was looking for before, is that the vast majority of the people that, you know, have hung around with him that have offered sound bites for the for the film Bebeto I mean this is a very prominent like world cup, world cup winning cup guy winner. he's laughing about at the like you know the how ludicrous most of this is but sees him as as a harmless kind of character that that they had fun with and and you know wasn't harming other people obviously that is is definitely questionable but he's yeah he's basically now been completely exposed as a fraud he admits himself that he's a fraud he 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 admitted all along that he you know he didn't want to have to play football because he knew he wasn't good enough and that his whole mo was to just live the lifestyle of a of a professional footballer but the majority of what had got him into these situations was was based on complete lies and fabrication and it's only when he's i guess challenged with that that you see this like real like I don't know dark and unhappy desperate side of this guy who up till now has been kind of like sat there really pleased with himself with his sunglasses on and and just mm. you know well who he is is like remained uh, yeah. an an enigma really and then all yeah. the you know of all the things that we've been told in the documentary so far and we're probably two-thirds of the way through now you know now you're questioning it again well did that happen and did that really happen and this story that you told me did that happen do we know yeah um and that's where that, that this is the part where what you said right at the beginning side where it says a lot of some this of, is true or some of this is some true this that's is true, when yeah. that makes more sense because it's like yeah. Right. Okay. So what we know, you're led to believe that this is a guy being honest about the fact that he's been a liar all of his career. Whereas actually you find out that in the documentary itself, he's still been lying and perpetuating those lies. And to the point where I think he probably believed them all. Um, yeah, I think he's. I think he's delusional to, yeah, to some extent. He is delusional. I think, is it Carlos Alberto who says you just cannot believe anything that he says? You just yeah. cannot believe it. But and he's still another... like chuckling. He's still like, oh well, you know, he's just a bit of a lad. Whereas Zico, exactly. I think Zico fucking really didn't like him. He's yeah, like, yeah. This, he's more like a purist. Like this is the game. This is what we love. You're just taking the piss out of it. Fuck yeah. off. I mean, Whereas he, the rest he is... of them are a bit like, ah, it's all right. He's pretty much the only person in it that that has sort of negative stuff to say about him, other than for and even that Fabinho doesn't say ne- negative stuff. He just said, "Look, I just I just couldn't stand there and like tell all these lies because yeah. they're lies." He he had nothing to do with it. He doesn't actually say like bad or negative stuff about him. But I mean, just, sort of before you see like the the final kind of like part of the film, I mean, he's he's Kaiser has got himself on you know like the the equivalent of I don't know what the what the biggest. I guess for for a spell like soccer, not soccer AM or whatever it may be, like you know the most prominent football shows, and you see you see like you see Ronaldo, you see Pele, you see all of the the greatest players, Zico, mm. 
of all time, the Brazilian greatest Brazilian players of all time. This guy's got himself on the same chat show to speak about his life as a professional footballer, and he's a complete fraud. He's never played a game a minute of professional football, which in itself is is a remarkable achievement. And sort of, I guess it's yeah, it's a crazy set of circumstances that's led him to there. But then this last part is is quite. Not, not difficult viewing, but a far different, you know, tone like tonally to the to the rest of the film, which, as you say, is very much at the beginning, almost a bit nut like Nuts magazine or whatever. And this very this couldn't be further from it, where mm. he starts opening him up. It, he he effectively says, look, you know, Carlos Kaiser is 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 a character, and this is the guy that he likes to be and everything. But his his Carlos Enrique. Is, is a desperately unhappy, damaged individual. He uses the word himself to describe himself damaged. And then you find out that, you know, you find out a bit more about his mother, about these, these was it aunties that, that he lived mm. with who were very old and they were cleaners and stuff like that. Then you find I out. I think his mother was a very powerful figure in his life and she was very abusive. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, she, he mentioned clear. about the beatings and everything. I mean, no, no father is to, to speak of as far as we know. You find out about a, a son that was that was born as part of a not a, a marriage, but in, in a whether it was a one night stand or a relationship or whatever. And whilst he certainly didn't have much of a part to play in his life, his son dies. I'm sure he said he got he married two different women and both yes. of them died. He does say that. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, the problem is with all the stuff that we've heard so far, it's difficult not to think really. Or... I, yeah, I, that's exactly it, Riggs. Because when uh, that last scene, he's kind of sitting. Was it? Was he even sitting on a chair? Was it like a crate? I can't it, even it remember. It looked like a crate or something. And he's, you know, it's all very sad. And I was just thinking, I don't know if I believe you. Yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. know if this is all an act, a performance, that because you're trying to paper over everything that's happened. I just didn't. It's it's one of those <laughs> that just leaves you unsure about literally anything that's happened yeah. so far. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, lying to to football scouts or presidents or whatever to get yourself a contract and 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 have a giggle and play sport and everything it is one thing i mean of course it's you know it's it's it is lying but it's it's fairly victimless as as a crime but you know if you know god forbid this this child that, that he's saying that he had and and lost and everything is is a fabrication there's a picture because there's a picture isn't there there's there's him this this boy and there's yeah. Renato Gaucho Renato, you know and this Renato, Renato is like saying like how honored he is to 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 be considered part of his family and that you know because he, he says that's that, weird that was weird I thought mm. yeah I I hadn't actually whilst I was watching the film I had I I took that at face value and maybe that's what this guy is so very good at is that you know that whilst he's talking he's convincing and that's exactly what somebody says in the film is that if you let him speak for long enough you will believe what he says he will convince yeah. you that mm -hmm. what he is saying is true and i guess i was convinced because i just thought well this is all of this is an explanation as to why he's been i guess yeah. you know deceptive and and, and duplicitous at, at best but you know you know kind of I don't, underhand at worst but yeah hadn't considered that that the, the, the mother story that the auntie story that the that the son story even or the wives i think mm. you can say i mean who knows but you can't take anything he says as being true no and no. even now now i think about it he takes his glasses off because he's worn sunglasses the entire film and you see this like this this eye that appears to be kind of blind or whatever 
you can, you can easily get hold of contact lenses and make your eye look like that. So oh, you think he's a um, faker? Oh, I didn't go that far. Well, listen, listen. Disability benefit. <laughs> oh, that. That's where you're drawing the line. All the other stuff is, it, it, yeah. Wow, I'd not thought of that. And so, yeah, I. That, that's basically the, the the end of the film. There's, there's. Yeah, it's um, the confrontation and him sort of breaking down the Kaiser persona and allegedly revealing some true details of his life, and then it kind of ends with a, more talking head stuff and people talking about some of them talking about what a great guy he is. Zico talks about him being an affront to football and then it yeah. it says that kaiser played 30 games in on the uh, way out which i don't in, in think that, well i read that the director i think writer whatever it was his name louis miles he doesn't yeah. think that's true he thinks that he never well, played well there's there's actually a wikipedia page for him as a footballer mm. and it, it's it's rather amusingly got his entire senior career which has about sort of 15 clubs on it and it has appearances for every single one of them as zero and which is and is, how many goals obviously and zero goals from those yeah, zero, zero games goals. as well so i looked at the same thing and uh, it just made me laugh because it, it said that he played for the botafogo youth team i think it was or and then yeah. it said that he played for them like six years later and i was like what that work? <laughs> Well, he played for them, I think, three times. Maybe, yeah, you know, somebody wanted some girls or or, yeah. or something else that that some some like like some hooky bracelets or something. Yeah, one of the guys I've forgotten his name now. It was he was a World Cup winner who was at, with him at Bangu and and then later on at either Fluminense or Vasco. I can't remember what it was, but actually, like, cries when. Because they're talking about him, and he talks about him with such fondness. I mean, they won the league. They won the, the, the Brazilian title when Kaiser was, a, was in inverted commas, a teammate. He was part of the, the setup, let's say, almost like a mascot, I guess. And um, he thinks about him sort of so fondly. And then they, you know, they obviously relate to him. You don't see it, but they obviously relate to him, like the, the story that he's told about, mm. you know, girlfriend, son, wife's mother, I all of this sort of stuff and then the guy actually breaks down crying saying oh, I didn't I didn't mm. know he was having a bad time and it really like and he asks for for the recording to stop because he's he's deeply affected because he's obviously very fond of this guy which the the majority of people in this film seem to be but yeah who knows it's one of those isn't it where it's so outlandish and incredible what is claimed to have happened or even the parts that we think might be true of it you know it, where you just if you wrote it as a drama you'd say oh it's unbelievable and silly um, and it would never mm. happen that a guy could fabricate a sort of 20-year career in football meeting all of you know world cup winning superstars uh, and playing yeah. playing with them you just would say it couldn't happen yeah. as a screenplay but here it happened in life yeah, don't have any financial metric data for you on this one, unfortunately. It just wasn't available. So then, right. I don't know. If I, I actually I haven't looked at any any metrics. In fact, I can see it here on IMDb. It's got a seven point one, which is I think it's fairly high, isn't it? Yeah, it seems to have been pretty well received. And we, I would say, I, I, you don't need to be a football fan. I don't think necessarily to enjoy this. It's kind of like catch me if you can, but set in the in the sporting yeah. world. I don't know whether this is, I think it's a really good, if troubling story, 
but I don't know. It's a fantastic documentary. I think the it, the tone is a bit confused and all over the place, and I'd, the reconstructions add very little to it. And yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of those, I have to say. Yeah, and yeah. I, I would like to have seen maybe the attempts to humanise him earlier in the movie because, like you said, side a lot of it was just like, oh, I, I went to this place and shagged a load of women and defrauded a load of people, and then I went to this place and defrauded a load of people and shagged some women and. You know, it's like very interesting, mate. Yeah, but yeah. I, I would, I would go out of my way to recommend it to everyone. But um, if someone said, "Is it worth a look?" I'd say, "Yeah, give it, give it a go." If that, if you, if you're looking for a doc, obviously, I, I'm involved with a, a football team, and and I watched it. I watched the, I watched half of it, and then watched the other half at a later date. And halfway through. I went up to the football club and there happens to be a game and, you know, people having drinks afterwards and that. And I was recommending it just purely because of like how, I guess, unbelievable it was. Yeah. By this time you've had the, you know, like the, 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 the crescendo piece all the way to like the bit where he, he goes, jumps over the fence to confront the fan to avoid basically getting killed. You, you got all of that, like the, just like the lengths that he was going to, mm. to kind of perpetuate this, this, this lie, the charade. And and how unbelievable it is the fact that he's in a in in a setting of and you know that I've seen I've seen the standard of of street football in Brazil and it's fucking frightening mm. because everyone plays it so the standard in in the training sessions at professional clubs over there must just be absolutely out of this world yeah. and for him to infiltrate that and mm. never ever participate but still carry on a, a professional career. Is just mind-boggling. Yeah, it's quite a story. Just with so much bluff and and smoke and mirrors and so on. So I did recommend it, but I didn't know it was going to take a. It, it gets sort of more sinister as as like the effectively like you know like pimping and you you know you said like you know trafficking elements come into it and then and then another kind of like odd turn. If I was recommending it at the end where it's like oh yeah, and then you watch this guy basically break down on on TV and it and I as I said at the time I didn't give any consideration to the fact it might not be genuine. But yeah, now you've said it, it makes a lot of sense that that it could just all be bullshit. And he has cried wolf plenty of times, mm. let's be mm. honest. Mm. Well, in that case, we will just leave it up to the to our listeners to decide if they want to watch it or not. Because we're kind of on the fence, I'd say. Well, no, I I would I would say it's it's such a good story that it is worth seeing. Yeah. Maybe the, I think probably the book is probably pretty good. I would think because it probably goes into all of it in more detail. Yeah, fair dues. So, a book recommendation. Yeah, <laughs> Bad Dad's Book Club. This week's kids TV nomination has been on my mind for a long old while, but you picked it this week, Pete. We've gone for Ren and Stimpy. Not just any yeah. Ren and Stimpy, though. So is this a famous and well-known episode in particular of, of this? Yes. To, to this, this <laughs> I would say, this is the only episode of Ren and Stimpy that I, could, that I remembered. I hadn't seen Ren and Stimpy since I was a child. I, I watched... I've watched way more than just this episode. Definitely remember it being almost like a itchy and scratchy type cartoon. Yeah, sort of, yeah. I guess maybe either inspired by itchy and scratchy, or maybe the inspiration for itchy and scratchy. I don't know which one came. Well, that first. was Tom and Jerry. I think was the inspiration yeah, for itchy and scratchy. So. This but, was on MTV, yeah. and it had a weirder vibe well, it to it. I thought it was I saw a, it. Was it Nickelodeon? Was it? 
It was Nick Lillis, yeah. their first Nick 2 feature. It was yeah. created by a guy, I'm going to pronounce his name. Yeah, this um, is not an easy one, this. Called John Chris Falusi. Chris sure. Falusi, I'd go Chris with. Chris Falusi. Yeah. Who, we can talk about him because he's probably not a very nice guy. The The look of the show is, at first glance, has got that kind of Hanna-Barbera art, the way it's drawn, style, but then will change in a, just a scene mm. to a far more detailed, beautifully painted image, which is completely grotesque. Yeah. Um, and then flip back into the other sort of style. It's fucking weird. <laughs> it's got a lot of parts where it will be showing something and then it'll like, you know, just like a room with a carpet and a, and yeah. a, and a dog or a cat or whatever. And then it will like zoom in and you'll see like the, like the, the, dirt and the grime and the mm, you yeah. know the, the the stuff on the carpet you'll see the i don't know the fleas on the dog or you know the sores or whatever and it just be yeah it becomes like fairly grotesque we get the, the janky intro music was it it's not primus is it i didn't look it up but it's no it was right. just it was it just a bit primacy some, yeah it was just some stock music that they found somewhere that was free to use I'd forgotten about it really the music until I heard it and then it and then it launched in and then we get yeah. hallelujah over the title which is son of stimpy season yeah. 2 episode yeah. 7 well, 11 was it episode it was season 2 episode 11 but on on my box it was season 2 episode 12 and I'd already watched half I seen side you'd watched see <laughs> episode 11 which was like some kind of like dog show yeah thing yeah, I was watching it with my daughter. I watched that one with my daughter, and they buffed the dogs. Did you see that bit? <laughs> I watched the whole thing. Yeah, they they take off. It's like that is um, itchy and scratchy because it's his his spine is um, exposed. Yeah, <laughs> like it's the, the guy. The guy that has them is what was his name? George Licker. George Licker. That's it. Yeah, he's um, disgusting character. Yeah, uh, and I looked at my daughter. I kept glancing across, and she was like screwing up her face again uh, i just didn't understand why this cartoon was so horrible it's like the eyes keep coming out <laughs> <laughs> well like george um, george lick is like stroking his eyeball like yeah. <laughs> it is disgusting anyway that wasn't the the episode we were men to watch no, we then no. we, I, I we then presume like me you, you watched the right one and this yeah. was the one that it stayed with me like to the point where if someone says the word stinky for the last tw- between you know twenty five years, I'm going to say in my head, I've gone stinky. Yeah, like I've heard it in a Mexican accent. Yeah, and most of the time, I wouldn't have been able to tell you why. And then I've at points in my life, I do remember it's like ah, oh, that's because of the the fart episode of <laughs> Ren, and uh, Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, so Stimpy so, is watching the telly. It's Spanish TV. <laughs> Did you notice that? Yeah. And there's like a barrage of cartoon sound effects playing while his eyes twitch. And um, then it does that thing where you get just a still yeah. of him from the back uh, with his massive butt cheeks. Yeah. And it's sort of rendered really uh, in good detail. Yeah. And then he lets out a guff. He looks down. I mean, it shocks he, him. Does he do he's too? So, he's does so he do? shocked. And he looks down yeah. and there's like a blast radius. Scorch marks, yeah. And then he smells it and then he shouts excitedly, Ren, Ren, and he runs off to find him. Ren's in his little reading nook. 
He's uh, got a silk got f- gown and a cravat on, and, um, and, and a fez, <laughs> and a fez, and a fez, and he's very sort of cultured and reading this little book, whatever it is that he's yeah. got. And Stimpy's like, "Something happened! Something happened! Something came out of my yeah. butt!" <laughs> and it smelled, and it smelled yeah. funny, and obviously red. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's basically, he effectively thinks that he's given birth, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because Stinky, or we haven't called it, he's not called Stinky yet, but we haven't the got fart that, yeah, has, no. has come out and then just like risen up and, and you don't then see his fart for, a, for quite he some tries time. To, he tries to replicate it, but yeah. he just deflates, he deflates his <laughs> His whole arse deflates with the effort of trying <laughs> yeah. to force this And Ren just like And Ren's it. really close, he's inspecting it, but yeah. So it, it, Ren says it was all in his head. So Stimpy yeah. resolves to go off and find his fart name, Stinky. Oh, Stinky. Where could he be? Yeah. Yeah. And he looks under the couch, he looks under the flowers, and then he eventually looks under the piano stool where yeah. Stinky's, where Stimpy's bogeys are. And he has a conversation <laughs> with them explaining what Stinky looks like and smells like and where Stinky came from. Yeah. But they decide to humor him and send him on his way. And again, it's one of those where they just do one of those really detailed zooms in of the bogeys underneath the chair. Yeah, lovely. That it's a twenty-five odd minute long episode, and you know they really drill down on Stimpy's heartbrokenness and mm. his search for Stinky. Mm. It goes on for a long old while. Well, he's later. He's sad, isn't he? And he's well, unshaven. He's it? watching the TV in the dark, Don't and care. it's heartbroken. And you can see his ass. He's so depressed, and is is that like the camera? It just shows his like shapely, womanly buttocks in the in the bed. Yeah, Stinky, Stinky looks in through the window, and it just—I don't know—he just goes off again um, <laughs> into wherever the hell it is that he disappears. Well, Ren doesn't think that Stinky's real, you know, and and he flies into a rage at his passivity and depression. Yeah, yeah, and 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 the yeah, seasons because, pass. Because it's years winter. later, Stinky's calling yeah. for Stinky to no avail and then there's a really weird moment where ren is making coquettish eyes at him and stimpy is outraged (laughs) is that all you can think of while stinky is out there alone lost and he's like making come to bed eyes at him it's so weird so so weird but eventually he does return there was loads of shots when uh, Stimpy went out to look for him that I thought were probably calls to something like a reference to a movie or some literary thing there's one bit I thought it might have been um, Wuthering Heights or something you know the, the, the house and everything but I, I didn't look up if it was but it does at one point the doorbell rings and Ren goes and answers the door and you don't see it but he smells He can, and he's got the smell on his finger yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it, go, it goes back to Stimpy, and he's uh, he's like, oh, "You're gonna you're gonna want to see who this is." And he's like, "Don't care." He just keeps saying it, doesn't he? Don't care, and he, and he waves his smelly finger under his nose, and you see the stink lines <laughs> go into his nose, and yeah. he realizes it's 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 Stinky's come back. Well, it's an emotional it's... moment, isn't it? <laughs> it There's is, a full string version of Rockabye Baby playing as they <laughs> as they're smelling it. I thought I'd never smell you again. He says. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, because um, when he's out looking for him, he's like, "Have you?" Like it, he's got posters of Stinky. Yeah. It's like, have you smelt this? <laughs> have you smelt this person? But he does look like he's grown or aged, or mm. you know, time has passed. He's matured, yeah. 
And no sooner has he has he come back into the fold than he says, I can't stay. I need to be my own man. You know, I can't stay with you anymore. It's like a Cat um, Stevens song come to life, isn't it? They haven't been father and son together. <laughs> but it gets even better because he says, I want you to meet my fiance. Yeah. <laughs> and it's... Uh, <laughs> It's like a rotting <laughs> cod head, yeah. Yeah, which had a name. I can't remember what the name was. Well, she, he oh. says, she's beautiful, Stimpy. And, <laughs> and then they sing memories. They get, and they do get married. They get, they get married. Stimpy actually uh, ordains the service and <laughs> yeah. marries them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then they consummate the marriage in one of Brent's <laughs> nostrils. In his left nostril. <laughs> <laughs> And then the st- Stimpy is just throwing confetti at Ren and it ends. It's amazing. It's amazing. Oh, this one didn't disappoint, did it? No. It's, it's no. easily the best kids thing we've watched. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, then the story behind it, it is interesting as well. This episode or just in general? This episode. Okay, go for it. Well, only in that he... he when they did the first run of Ren and Stimpy, it was for like a really small amount of episodes and a single series. And then when it came back, they wanted to make like 22 episodes and they brought on a whole bunch of writers and storyboard artists that he, that this John Crifalusi, Critchfalusi guy wasn't particularly keen on. And he then wanted to make this like critique of hollywood movies and he was like i can get pathos in anything i can make you care about anything i'll make you care about a fart so that's how this sort of silly little episode comes up i don't know whether i did care about stinky but i was i remember seeing it the first time and being amazed and it was just brilliant Mm. to revisit it yeah he he struggled to get meet deadlines he was really problematic in in the work side of it obviously he was the writer but also a lot of the animator was uh, animation as well and they tried to expand it and in the end he got hoofed didn't he after was it after the second series i mm-hmm. think they had to get rid of him and then later on it turns out that he was a fucking like sexual predator as well there was two sexual abuse allegations robin bird and katie rice it seemed that, that he'd been grooming them for when they were underage oh, um, lovely so he was in a sexual relationship with robin bird when she was 16 when she moved in and lived with him when she was 17 and rice, he, he got married to a fish head yeah so <laughs> pretty pretty fucking grim guy like you know which is that is a shame yeah but fucking great episode <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, uh, but he. So I think that was after season two, and then there was you know another three series after that. So you can watch that guilt free. I think I do remember with Ren and Stimpy that they weren't all a hit. I do remember some episodes being quite a drag. I mean, it is out there. It is really out there. So there probably will be moments that are just like a bit, oh, whoa, you know. But I remember liking it. I really liked it when I was a kid. I had a whole bunch of like Ren and Stimpy t-shirts that I used to rock nice. back in the day. So I was a fan. And, I would quite like uh, a Ren and Stimpy t-shirt now, I think. Yeah, I was, I was going to go online this afternoon and have a look. But this, yeah, this is strong. Yeah. Whether the, I think they were, they were kids. What, what would you, this is kind of like more pitched at the, you uh, know. Well, early I would have been... Yeah, I would have been probably GCSE sort of age, so fifteen, I guess, when we were watching yeah. this. Yeah, it's like not, you say, not, it's not young kids. My, it's too no. My 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 daughter was 
in the room whilst I was watching the wrong episode and she looked up a couple of times and like we both kind of like looked at each other and I was like oh this is silly isn't it but you know it's like quite the other episode was a bit more kind of graphic and shit but this one was just a, a heartwarming story about a, a long lost fart yeah Nice one, chaps. Uh, don't have any nominations for next week yet because Howie is up and out or something somewhere. So uh, he will hopefully return and potentially give us something to watch for next week. But strong nominations this week mm. and our first book recommendation as well, which is good. We will return next week. Hopefully I won't have COVID and we can go to the man cave and do things properly. Nice. We live in hope. But on that bombshell, all that remains is to say, Sidey signing out. Reeks out. Goodbye. <laughs>